Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 873. We're so excited to start the new year off with Alicia, one of the top high school coaches in the state of California. It's part one of two parts. Great interview. I think you're going to really enjoy this. I know you're going to enjoy it um, as we dive into kind of her journey and her success. But before we do that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish. We're super thrilled to have them as longtime partners. They're, they've signed on for 2021. And, um, you know, we are very excited to, that, to, to have them on board. Um, mention Coach Unplugged, and you get $350 off your next purchase. They can work with you as far as trade-ins and things like that. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is a one-stop shop. Um, you know, what I say is it's mentoring for basketball coaches. We always tell our players that we want them to become better at their craft. Well, do you want to become better at your craft? If so, come over and check us out. It's everything you want, handouts, videos, office hours, one-on-one calls, um, a little bit of everything. So come over and check us out at teachhoops.com. 14-day free trial while it still lasts, and prices are going to be going up. So check it out. Let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Oh, Coach, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to guess what episode you're going to be. We're we're like in the 750s, if you can believe. If you can believe, I run. I, Yes. Th- three podcasts. I have three podcasts. Man. I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> I need to spend more time on practice planning like you do. So, uh, something. Uh, all right. So Alicia, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and I'm going right. to have you tell, like I always say to, to, to people that come on, I'm going to have you kind of tell your basketball journey, kind of how it started, how you got, how you found this great game that I'm sure that the same for you, this game has given me more than I can ever give it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of describe kind of how we're sitting here and, and then we'll dive into, you know, 
I mean, I'm not even going to talk about all your state championships and your, I mean, oh my God, I will put her resume down below. If you want ask, if you want a vision board, I'm telling coaches right now, if you want a vision board, you're going to put her resume on your vision board. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, I always feel good. We were teasing before we came on here. I, I look good. You know, I've won three state championships. I've been there like 10. I feel good. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. So there's always a LeBron James out there. I'm just telling you. There's all. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> it, it is you. It is. And, and, I, and, and well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, so I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So mm -hmm. there, I, I'm going to change the, the LeBron to there's only one Giannis. Because okay, I, there you go. He, there you he go. is like, if I was building a basketball player, I would build him. All right. I swear to God, I would build him. He's unbelievable. <laughs> you see him in person, it's like, how does that work? Um, uh -huh. But go ahead. I introduce yourself. Sure. Introduce yourself, Coach. All right. So my name is Alicia Kamaki. My married name is Kreitner. I got married two years ago. Um, and today we actually closed on our first house. So we... Uh, oh, yay. Thank you very much. Very excited about that. Uh, so the basketball journey, I have so many memories and stuff just blasting through my head right now. Um, I started playing basketball in third grade. I played softball first very athletic as a young kid. Um, but softball was kind of like the easiest thing to just go sign up. I had a, an older sister, two years older than me. And so she was playing softball. She's not athletic and she won't be mad that I say that. Um, but it's usually soccer. I'm surprised it was softball. Yes. Uh, I don't, I never wanted to do soccer for some okay. reason. And okay. she didn't really either. So it was softball. She was okay. six. And my dad asked if I could be on the team. I was four. Okay. And they were like, well, she's four, you know, right. but I could catch and throw. They were like, whoa, this kid's not four, right? So right. I'm on the team, you know, softball as a four-year-old. How, how good can that be? Right. And I was just bored out of my mind. Like I, I played for a couple years. I don't know. just wasn't for me, right? Um, tried a couple of other little sports here and there. And I, my dad tells a story that I saw a sign on a fence. It was for the local like parks and rec team. And I said, hey, dad, I want to I want to try basketball. I said basketball tryouts at, you know, Little Park High School. And he's like, OK. So I think now at this time I'm six. So I go and play for um, local, you know, the local parks and rec team. And um, I was I was pretty darn good for being really young, like right. just had a really natural knack for the game and like really understood it really well as a young kid, which was very strange. Um, so just grew up playing, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Um, on and on and um, played high school at Troy High School in uh, Fullerton, California, who, little fun known fact, has the longest league win streak in the nation um, at Troy High School in Fullerton, California. So it is no longer active, um, but I, I played there for four years and um, coached there for six. So had about 10 years of that active, uh, I think it was about 21 years or so that it was a uh, haven't lost a league contest so um, 21 years 21 years didn't lose a league contest yeah crazy so hold the record to from what i understand i've seen some articles about it um hold the record in the nation and uh there's some schools that are close to breaking it in california um and i'm sure nationwide as well but as far as i know i could be wrong that's about. crazy yes uh, so from Troy High School, I had a really good high school career, um, got fortunate to have some offers out of high school. And so I ended up choosing Pepperdine University in the beautiful Malibu. Oh, my uh, God. If anybody's ever stepped foot on that campus. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like 
So uh, Stanford's beautiful. Trust me, I love Stanford. It's a gorgeous campus, but that's a that's prettier. Yes, I I think that might have been what sold me. Um, <laughs> and at the time, it was like number one most beautiful campus in the world or something too. Right. So not not a bad uh, spot to land. So right. played uh, college basketball there. Um, and tore my ACL, but I tore my entire knee. I tore my LCL, my PCL, my MCL, I tore everything. And so um, did that at the end of my freshman year oh. and decided uh, at my sophomore year, kind of going through that rehab and all that stuff that I really wanted to just get into coaching as soon as I could. So uh, kind of retired my playing career um, pretty young. And it wasn't, you know, a medically retired, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that for doing an ACL. Right. Um, I look more like a, a wuss than anything, I guess, but it was just really more of just, I felt led to start coaching. You know, I, I was never going to play overseas or be in the right. WNBA or do any of that. I, I wanted to start going. And um, so my former high school uh, hired me as the JV coach at 19 years old and um, was obviously still very fresh out of high school. Right. And I coached our JV team for three years and kind of assisted and helped with the varsity program. And at that time, Troy High School was, uh, they were it in California. They had won three state championships in that span uh, when I was the JV coach. And how, how, how hard was that? What was this obstacles doing that? You know, <laughs> I've been asked that question before and I don't recall any. Um, the kids really respected me because they- Because you could play too, yeah. You know, and they, they knew of me, but I wasn't close enough that I had gone to school with any of them because um, they're on the JV team, they're going to be freshmen and sophomores. So, right. um, so they knew of me and they respected me and yeah, I could still play with them and, you know, we had, we had fun. So I would say the biggest challenge just would have been maturity from me of right. trying not to be their friend and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. The parent, so, the parent part, part, it would have, would have been the issue I would have thought too. So were you going to school at the same time as you were doing that? Yes. Going to school. Wow. Okay. And I had in a sense forfeited my scholarship at that point. So, okay. um, so now I was paying my own way for school and just, uh, using that, that great coaching stipend to, uh, to get through college, <laughs> um, which magically somehow it did. I don't, I don't know. How I don't know. The it. thing, the funny part is that the only way you can live in Malibu, unless you're like super rich is to go to school there. To be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really? So I wasn't going there anymore. I had to transfer. <laughs> right. Um, yes. So anyways, my, um, my old high school coach, his name is Kevin Kiernan. He's a a legend in high school girls basketball. So he is now the coach at modern day high school. Um, he is the all time winningest coach in California state history for females, uh, for female teams. And, um, so he hired me right away to come back and, and be the JV coach. And then he left after I was there for three years and got the modern day job. Okay. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to come with him. And if you're from Southern California and you didn't go to modern day, you don't ever want to go to modern day. Modern they're, day. They're so, what, so explain the, uh, what's the, what's the difference in distance there? Of where I was to modern yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, 15 miles, 15 miles. And, um, uh, he's still there. He's still coaching there. Still there. Yep. Okay. And are you in the same division as he is? Yes. So you've beaten him. We've played against each other. Um, yes. And, uh, I did get a win against him one time. He he beat us twice this last year. Okay. Um, he had a really good team that ended up winning the championship. But okay. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Okay. Uh, well, that's great to have a mentor like that. I mean, everyone needs mentors like that. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. as good as he gets for sure. Right. Um, and so I stayed at Troy for two years. Uh, I was a little too young to be hired as the head coach. I did apply, and um, 
the coach that got the job, Roger Anderson, is absolutely fantastic. I've learned a lot from him as well. And so he kept me on staff, and I was kind of an associate head coach with him for two years. And uh, Kevin at Modern Day just kept saying, hey, come on, come to Modern Day, come to Modern Day. And I can't do it. I can't do it. And then, you know, finally made my way over there. And um, we were fortunate to win a national championship and two state championships uh, in the two years that I was there. Um, he just really, you know, he coached me. He believed in me. He gave me my first head coach, my first JV coaching job. And um, he said, the offense is yours. It's whatever you want to do. That's awesome. You've learned so much, it. I bet. Yeah. For sure. And he knew, you know, he knew I was going to eventually be a head coach and that was the path I was going to take. And um, I have to give him so much credit because, you know, he's, he's at one of the best programs in the country and he's one of the best coaches in the country. And he let a young kid really just become her own, you know, and it was really fantastic for me to, to learn and grow during that time. So explain that school to me. Like, is it a private school? Because th their football teams like had movies made. National about. powerhouse and like so many sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're incredible. That's why I say if you didn't go to modern day, you don't you you just hate them because they're <laughs> they're good at everything, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, they are a private Catholic school. Okay. Uh, I'd say roughly twenty five hundred students, maybe. Um, okay. Maybe maybe not that many, um, and just they've been an athletic powerhouse for I mean forty fifty years. Um, Heisman Trophy winners Matt Leiner graduated from right. there. Lots of USC quarterbacks graduate from there, so um they're great you know and uh they just win yeah they just win <laughs> <laughs> every no one wants to be friends with the winner if you lose and they, lo they love you and stuff yeah. so what happened after that after you won the national title then did you leave that year yeah so uh won the national title the first year and okay. then two state championships in a row um okay. and i just applied for this job at sierra canyon uh sierra canyon was probably about 60 miles uh south of where i was living or north of where i was living okay and so it, in no way is it far. It's about an hour or so drive with LA traffic. It's like a nine hour drive. Right. Um, and uh, just applied because I was looking for a, a private school where I could get, I was going to get, I had my master's at the time when I okay. applied. Um, and so I could get a teaching position with it. Things are a little bit different in California. Yeah. Um, and so I was looking for that type of an environment. The school was still really young in terms of their high school program. And so I just always say I got extremely lucky with, cause I didn't know anything about Sierra Canyon or, or what it's kind of grown into. Right. Um, and uh, a lot of that credit goes to our head of school and our, our athletic director uh, for just what they've turned that sports program into. So I applied because it said they had a teaching position with it and I went for it um, and was fortunate. I think that that resume from modern day really helped and um, that was Sometimes it. you got to put the work in. I tell young coaches too, because I get emails all the time. It's like, you got to put the work in too. Like to assume you're going to apply for a, that job. You don't get that job four years earlier, probably, or five years oh, earlier. No chance. Um, no yeah. Chance. There's no chance. And no. it's like, and it's all, it's not a bad thing when you get turned out. I, we both lost. I mean, I didn't get my first job I applied for either. And, and to be honest with you, I'm glad I didn't because it's a nice school, yeah. but I wouldn't have won like, I will one more. I mean, things work out sometimes for better yeah, too. For sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about your practice planning thing, which is legendary. Like I was saying on the web, <laughs> it's legendary. Like how did this come about? How did, how did this whole like planning? I mean, this thing is crazy. Um, it, come it came about cause I, I like to be really organized to a fault, I guess. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, so I actually handwrite my practice plans because for me, it's just the 
So do yeah. I. Like, oh my God, I didn't think you did this. Like I yeah. just did like three podcasts on it. And I have two. I have the vert, I have the electronic one. I mm -hmm. need the written one. And they go, why do you do both? I go, because I have to write and draw and it's yeah, it's, it's something I don't know. Something. I can't explain it. You know, I know. and I okay. I tell people that there's something about transferring it to the paper and like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And um, so that's, that's the biggest part for me is that I always have to write it. So when my staff kind of became big enough, it got to the point where I would just photocopy the written thing. And, you know, my handwriting isn't ugly, but of course there are some times where they're like, what does this even say? Right. Um, but, but my, my drill bank has existed since I was 18. I just, okay. I would just am organized like that and really enjoyed, you know, seeing that. And I feel like I'm decently talented in Excel or those types of programs and, um, so that was it. And then, you know, just came across figuring out how to make that practice planning part of the drill bank, um, so that my assistant coaches could really benefit from that. So explain to the people that are listening, cause you're going to, you'll, you can show it in a second, but for the people that are listening, you basically have taped your practices. That's what I do too. And you've broken the drills down so that your freshman coach can know what you're talking about. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it hits all parts of the program. My players can go log into the account to see the broken down video. I get a new coaching staff member and we run a lot of drills. Um, I, I think I have like 175 that are, that are active. Like right. that sounds like crazy, but they're active. Right? right. And so a new coach comes in, he's like, what is all, you know, what are all these drills? And so it's just a great way for them to even just have a resource where they can learn and figure it out and, you know, see an example of it. Um, so that's how it exists. Okay. So let's, let's show it. Cause I'm sure I'll have questions when you, when you show it will here. All right. So we are showing and do the, and can you tell if the kids go on? Yeah. So, um, so this particular, so this right here is the actual practice plan, drill bank, all that stuff. Okay. And yep. so this is not shared with my kids, but the links here have all links to our most popular drills. The drills will run a lot of, and uh, those are also attached. They're on YouTube, but they're also attached on Huddle. So I can tell if they go into Huddle and they view them. Right. Um, but for me, that's not necessarily really important. Right. Um, I don't need to know if they're watching our drills unless I give it as an assignment. Right. Um, and I will definitely know if they watch it or not based on how they perform. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. So that's it. So this is just the drill bank. It just has, you know, the drills, you know, obviously going all the way down. Yep. Right now they're organized by category. And, um, this was something that I kind of spent a little more time on during this quarantine time to really kind of fine tune and update. And I think it's really interesting. I hear a lot of coaches, they say, should we organize this as you know, say offense or defense, or it's, it's one-on-one -on -one or whatever it may be. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to support us, go over and check out teachings.com for coaches who want to get better. Also subscribe and like, we do appreciate those. Have a great day. Well, they should always have off, if it's two on two, if there's another person, it's not something on zero, right. there should always be 
a defensive oh. and an offensive component, right? Right. Um, and so I, I changed the wording to 1v1 or 2v1 instead of three on three or something like that. And um, just made sure like to understand that they all should have offense and defense, right? Right. I mean, um, every, every good drill has more than two or three things going on. I agree. Exactly. I know. Um, is there a way that you name specific things? Um, I do it as best I can to make it simple for the kids to remember because we do have so <laughs> many rules. And uh, so that's it. Or it'll have credit with whoever I, I took it from. So right. you can see on there, it says Shaka one-on-one that came from Shaka Smart. Right. Um, I, 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 I'm a firm believer. I even do this in some of my, I don't care if we call it post. If it's, I don't care if they know yeah. it. You know, it's like. Oh yeah. There, there, there's been studies that show that if you make them go through more than one, like maybe you call it green and it's actually a post thing. They, they, their brain has to go from green to post to the actual play. Mm -hmm. If you can get rid of that one thing and just call it post, then they can go right to post and then. Right to it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always tell coaches, try to make it, who cares is descriptive, even if it's an out of bounds play or anything you do like that, who cares if they know what it is? We're in a box. So it's called box. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, don't overthink it. Don't call it like Cincinnati unless there's a reason you're calling it Cincinnati. Exactly. Exactly. So this would be the actual practice planner and okay. everything populates automatically from the drill bank. Um, so if I select a drill here, now the category and the key terms are going to change. Right. And the reason I think it's really important to include those key terms, I gave a presentation on practice planning and um, did some research, questioned kids in college, professional, all these different types of things. And one of their biggest complaints that I was really kind of surprised to hear is our coaching staff is not on the same page with their terms. And it causes confusion for us. And we don't know what they're talking about. Or one coach doesn't have the head coach's back. And so the head coach calls this attack mode and the other coach calls it power. And they get, you know, it's not the same terms. And so I wanted to include this so that my staff would have the smallest thing that we're working on. It's right there. And nobody should be off that page. This is, we're working on attack mode in this drill. And that's the only words any of us should be using. Right. So I think that part is really important to include. Um, and everything else is, is as normal as you, as you can how, see. How, how many terms do you have? Gosh, I don't know. I do have a terminology sheet, so we can, we can look and see, but it's not, it's nothing crazy. Um, okay. On this actual thing, you'll see all the different key terms, but they are the same. So it's just active hands plus right. jump to the ball. So, I mean, I wouldn't say we have more than on that, on that particular sheet, we wouldn't have more than like 20 that are like offense and defense, but on that sheet is also play calls and, and different stuff. Yeah. So I, I tell people, I tell coaches and, and I started working on this. I'm about two thirds of the way through it is I'm based and I used to have one. I haven't, and I'm having the same problem because I'm, you know, I have a freshman coach leave and they come in and blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to it quote unquote as the Bible, but mm -hmm. I'm basically trying to give them all the terms that we should all be using. So how are we going to like, like screening, yep. like everything. So this is our terminology. Like yep. some people call it help side. Some people call it weeks. I mean, all those kind of things, we need to have one way of talking about it. Like exactly. it's a math teacher in me. It's like, we have to have one way of talking about adding. Here's how we're going to do it. And here's yeah. the terminology. So I think coaches don't think along those lines and you should have your own list. Cause your list might be, I bet it's 80% like mine, but it's that 20% that confuses them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that oh, little sure. part. Yeah. I love that. Sure. Um, and then the last part about it is just a data report. And so 
taking the practice plans that get copied on this sheet and um, I changed that because I included the practice planner now before I would go in there and hand do everything. Right. Um, so this is just a sample right now because there's only three showing. Yeah. But and they're all copies of each other. So it says we've ran one-on-one -on -one finishes 11 times. That goes into the one-on-one -on -one category plus all this other, and then it gives that. And the reason that I created that was I wanted to kind of validate what I was doing in practice with statistics. Mr. Math guy should love yes. statistics. Yes. And so I just kind of felt like if 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 we're telling kids, gosh, our rebounding is awful. And as a coaching staff, we talk about it. We go look at the huddle breakdown from games and our rebounding percentage is so bad. But then I go look at practice and we're doing it 3% of our practices. Well, no wonder our rebounding is so bad, right? And granted, there's some, you know, scaling going on there because, yes, we're working on it when we do a five-on-five -five draw. Maybe that's not our actual category, right? But right. nonetheless, I think it really helps us. Um, I think it validates again what we're trying to do. I think it alerts to some things that we're not doing. Is there um, anything in that pot in that in that pie graph or pie chart or circle graph? Or there's eight Dylan different ways of describing it um, <laughs> that you don't. This is the math teacher. Is there any one of those that are called sectors? Any one of those sectors that you think you don't do enough of? Um, yeah, special situations. I, it, it's between special situations for me and shooting and, mm -hmm. and shooting has gotten better over time. Cause I have my son who graduated I me. Mean, he was, he's a shooter. So he was always on me. We're not shooting enough. We're not shooting enough. Uh -huh. um, but that always seemed to get lost. I don't. Interesting. Yeah. So for me as well, that's kind of another, what would I tell a younger version of myself? I was a pretty good shooter when I was in high school and I put in all the work on the side. Right. And my belief, my mindset, because it was instilled in me from all my other coaches was a kid gets in the gym and they get their shots up on their own. Right. Why am I spending 15 valuable minutes of practice to put you guys through shooting drills? Right. And one particular year we were shooting, we were just not good. We were just not good shooters. And I reached out to some coaches and Hey, how much shooting do you do? do these three drills. They're going to take you 10 to 15 minutes. Do these three drills as often as you can every single day. And I guarantee you, your shooting will improve. And um, since then, they're not always in, but one of the three is always in practice every single day. They're competitive, they're game speed, they're challenge oriented. Right. And um, our shooting, I, I completely believe that it's improved because of this. You know, I referred to it. It's like, it's like, it's like putting in golf. If you don't putt for a month, yeah, I, my son and we went. We went. On, we went on. A, we went on a trip out east for a couple of weeks to to a lake house and uh, my brother's lake house. And he didn't shoot, and he says I could tell. I mean, mm. he's a really good shooter, but he could tell that he hadn't shot. I mean, it's like it's if you get three minutes a day in practice on just shooting. Shooters yeah. need to shoot. I mean, yeah. I understand that you and I were pro probably pretty good shooters in our day, but we still needed those. It's some of it's mental. Oh, yeah. Too, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I love that you go back for one second. I want to go back to the, to the thing. So go back to a practice plan. And then I want to talk to you about the, what you draw up. Cause I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Um, so you had the actual plan. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So now when you draw it up, does it look like this or do you have like, like half courts there or full courts or do you draw things out? How do you oh, do when it? I do it by hand? Yes. I wish I have one nearby, but okay. I don't want to, I don't okay. want to leave you. Um, okay. So mine basically has the time, the minute and the drill only. And then the backside has any chicken scratch, the teams, any key notes that I wanted to know about 
um, anything like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that, that's why I'm telling you, that's why people look at me like I've talked to coaches, they go, why do you do that? It's like the chicken scratch is half my battle. Yep. Because <laughs> it's tucked back. Th- I don't know what it is. It's just, yeah. I felt, I've, I'm so glad because you're just, you know, I, I feel like an old dog on the porch kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> you're making me feel better about myself because I would, I feel like I'm doing double the work, but um, I love that. I, I, I love that aspect of, of that. Um, what do you, when do you practice plan? When do I do it? When do you do it? Totally depends. Um, because I also teach during the day, I'm an athletic director. There's lots of other things going on sometimes. And I hate to admit it. Sometimes it's right before, Oh my gosh. Oh geez. I got to get this done. Right. Um, but I will say the reason that I could do that and that it's easy for me is because I know exactly what we need to do. So right. it's just, I haven't put it down on the paper yet. Right. Okay. So, yep. um, so sometimes, yes, I, I played for a coach who as a staff, right? So I also coached with the guy I played for. Yep. Um, they would meet after practice and they would say, what do we want to work on tomorrow? What do we not get through to today? What do we need to add on? And they would kind of talk about the practice plan and then somebody would do it, you know, later. Um, we definitely discuss practice, but um, I don't make it right then and there because something else might come up the next day. Three kids might all of a sudden tell me they aren't going to be there. They got the flu and or I'm something, not, yeah. I'm not doing that twice. So yeah. um, that's also kind of another reason to wait a little bit. But I do. I, so here's my theory with this. And I've talked to other coaches about this. I do it two times. I'll, I'll either, if I'm feeling really good about it and I think everyone's healthy, I'll do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Cause I like to dwell on it. Like I leave practice behind, I get home, we eat family time, blah, blah, blah. And I go to bed. I don't want to do it. Then I'll watch some maybe practice film, but mm-hmm. I want to, I, I swear I'm thinking about it. Like, what do we need tomorrow? What do we need to do? Yep. Sometimes I'll do it at lunch because, you know, I have time at lunch to do it. Yeah. But a lot of times I try like to do it in the morning. Um, but I find it, yeah, I, 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 I tried to do the coaches right afterwards and I'm almost too jacked then. Like, uh-huh. It's never good. It's not a good situation. No, it's yeah. like, we can't do this. We, it's like, yep. I got to, I got to exactly. settle down. Yes. It's like, it's, like so I, I tell, yeah. it's all passing tomorrow. We're just working on passing. We yes, can't we even can't pass. pass. We won't yeah. get to the help side. No one will take a charge. <laughs> yep. But, on charges with Giannis too like everyone like oh my gosh like stop taking all these charges on one of the best players in the world stop it right (laughs) (laughs) um so describe your coaching philosophy and how did how did you come about having it or getting it um so again I I think in a weird way that's a loaded question right because because (laughs) a lot of people say oh my coaching philosophy is we play fast we play up tempo you know whatever but I truly believe that we adjust to whatever team we have. And so ideally I would love to play fast. I would love to press all the time. I would love to take a lot of threes. I would love to do all that stuff, but maybe never have we actually done one of the three of those things. Right. Right. Um, So I really try to adjust to the strengths of the kids. What's going to make them look good. Not what do I know best? Not what's, you know, you need to know everything, but I, I tell the, I tell the young coaches, you got to accentuate the positive and hide the negative because oh, yeah. they all have, they're high school players, unless they're like, I mean, we've all had the D1 guys, but they all have some weaknesses. Oh yeah. We have to hide those and then accentuate the positive, you know? <laughs> Make those kids look good, right? Yes. It's like. Um, so I think in a sense, that is my philosophy that okay. I, that I try to adjust to the strengths of the kids that we have that year, um, hide their weaknesses. Um, and ultimately I don't want it to sound like it's, it's cliche or it's fluff, 
but ultimately my coaching philosophy is to develop them as kids right, right. So, i don't so it, it. trust me it's, it's yes i don't i can't always say that was my philosophy my entire career mm-hmm. but it has become you know it's mm-hmm. like no one's gonna you know if you think about your greatest coach you're not thinking about an x and o play he drew up or she drew up or you're thinking about how they made you feel to be yeah, honest with you for sure. that's probably we probably both had great coaches that's why we're still coaching mm-hmm. um you know if we'd have had bad coaches we probably would have given it up um mm-hmm. what what do you think's the hardest thing to teach is the hardest thing to teach my mind <laughs> probably um <laughs> there's just so like for to my, the kids what's the hardest thing to teach to the to your players that's what's, it it's my mind like my my offensive my IQ is just not the level of a high school girl basketball player. And so it's hard for me to like, okay, they don't understand what you're saying, like dial it down a little bit or figure out how to, you know, relate that to them or whatever it may be. And it's not always, of course, in no way is it exceptional, believe me, but it's not on their level. And so I have to figure out, you know, and I've definitely learned that. I think I've um, been able to grow in that regard for sure. Um, Another thing I think is difficult is probably just because we do change stuff so much that our kids never necessarily really get used to one thing. And that's not a bad thing. So let's just say, you know, a team runs the dribble drive, right? And so this kid's been there on the varsity as a freshman. They've been doing it for four years. And now they know what to do by the time they're a senior. Well, last year we ran an entirely Iverson offense that we just made up, right? Right. So, hey, our kids got really good at running the Iverson offense. Hey girls, next year we're not running that at all. <laughs> you know, right. it's gone. So um, I think it's also a benefit to those kids who are going to go play college. They can't just run one offense their whole life and never know anything else or anything different. So it's also kind of a fun challenge for me that I get to teach a lot of different things all the time. I, I yes, I, I yeah, you you got to adjust. Literally, I've coached NBA guys, and I would love to go up and down the court. And then three years ago, when we went to the state tournament, I had a Division One center. And then a bunch of really nice high school players, mm-hmm. good players. But we had to like you would have you could have it's like molasses in January in Wisconsin, man. It was <laughs> low basketball. But we don't have a shot clock, and it. it I mean, we we should have won the state. T- we lost in the semis. We had a really good team, but that's the only way we could compete. If we'd have done this, we'd have lost by twenty every game. Yep. So yep. it's like you gotta you, you gotta be willing to do it. Um, yep. What is there one is there one coaching moment, one success, one failure? Something we could dive into that would be helpful for the listeners? Well, when you said one coaching moment, one came to my mind. It won't be helpful for anybody. Well, um, that doesn't have to be helpful. <laughs> it's my favorite moment of all time. Um, and one of my favorite moments as a person as well. But it was uh, my third season. We were playing for our third state championship. And so that group of seniors had already won two, uh, playing for our third and there were three kids in that senior class, um, really special group of kids and really, really talented group of, of three girls. And so it was just the final moments of the state championship game. And, you know, we had solidified that we were going to win up whatever with 12 seconds left. And um, I just got to sub those three kids out. And it was just emotional. I mean, we were bawling, just crying together. Just uh, the four of us were just in a little huddle at half court. Game was still going on. And actually when the buzzer went, um we were still kind of in the huddle like oh and then just kind of broke like oh let's go celebrate with everybody and um it was just a really special moment because I got to pull off those three kids who had given so much to the program and to me um as a young coach in in three years when three state championships was 
highly because of them. And right. uh, to share that moment with them was just really, really special. Um, I just remember like every little bit about it, you know, every, every little bit about it. So that was really, I tell really people, cool. man, you can't buy that at target, man. Right? It's like, that's hard work. That didn't just happen either. It's oh, like, yeah. that's what I, I always tell my guys. It's like, when I wear my rings and stuff, I go, you can't buy one of these at Walmart. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to go mm -hmm. earn this. Like, yes, exactly. oh, you know, it's like, well, it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, it, but it's also one of the, it's also a moment you'll never forget. Like entire life. You'll never forget it. I tell them that you'll never forget. Um, is there, is there, is there some sort of coaching failure you had? Something, some, oh, yeah. yeah. Like that you would want to share. Yeah. Um, so in our league, our league is not incredibly strong, um, okay. but we have one team windward who is one of the best teams in the country year after year and definitely in California. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to support us, go over and check out teachings.com for coaches who want to get better. Also subscribe and like, we do appreciate those. Have a great day. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.